Welcome to today's BCOG online podcast episode. These weekly sermons are a part of the growing online ministry of God. Buford Church of God is a growing multi-campus and multicultural Pentecostal church north of Atlanta. We are reaching people around the world to see lives transformed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in with us and enjoy today's episode with Senior Pastor Joey Grizzle. Please remain standing, 1 Samuel 21, starting with verse 10. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Now David took those words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gates, let his saliva fall down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I not... Have I need of madmen that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Chapter 22, verse 1. David, therefore, departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adjalam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, Everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. Say amen at the reading of God's word. You may be seated. This is the first authority of David. This is the first group of people whose allegiance is to their captain and not their king. His first step toward becoming king is 400 people right here in the cave of Adjalam. What an incredible story. And I love how God includes the more interesting components of this journey. He goes to Gath to hide from the wrath of the king of Israel. Saul had grown jealous of David and had sought to kill him. And so David ran from Saul and was living in Gath or attempting to live in Gath so that he could flee from the vengeance of the king. And I thought to myself, isn't it bad on the day you have to run away from church folks and hang around sinners just so you can be safe? Why is it that sometimes it's safer in a bar than it is in a church? Why is it that Christians can bite and devour one another to the point that it becomes uncomfortable for those who are walking in the anointing and favor of God that they have to run away from church folks just to be safe? Get in, you know... You have to get away sometimes just to avoid their drama. I see some of you snuggled up out there. You know who I'm talking about. People who are jealous and angry and frustrated. 
There's nothing more dangerous than a frustrated Pentecostal. You'll get issues and trouble and grief. You'll get so mad and jaded. You'll get wound up over everything, mad over nothing. Somebody talk to him. And then before long, you're throwing spears at David. And people sometimes are running away from us because of the person sitting right there in your chair. Satan is not interested in recruiting sinners to do his work. He already has them in his camp. What he wants to do is to get that one right there in your shoes. And those most spiritual in the sanctuary, yes, pastor, talk to them. I'm talking to you. <laughs> he wants to use you to wound somebody else. And for those of you who've been running from the people of God, classical churches, I have good news. We're not really a church. We're the cave of Agilom. <laughs> This is, this is not where people run from. This is where they run to. I'll be honest with you. Y'all can give me a witness right now. Especially some of you who've come in the last three or four years. You, were, you, you have been beat up, chewed on. You went to church, to church. They, they say things. They get jaded. They get political. They start focusing on things that have nothing to do in the Bible. You come to church. You hear a story, not a sermon. You, you can't find God in any of these places. But you heard about a cave on the wrong side of town. And you thought to yourself, I'm going to go down there because I heard there's an anointing in the cave. See, this church assembles not to be prestigious, not to be impressive. We assemble because we are addicted to the presence of God. That's why we're here. This first group, captain over 400. And so while he's running, he goes to Gath, which is highly unusual because he had just killed the champion of Gath. His name was Goliath. He had become the enemy of, of Philistines. He had become antagonist toward everything they stood for, everything they needed, everything they wanted. David stood between them, and he ran from Saul into Gath. And when he got there, they brought him before the king. And he stood before the king, and they started saying, Is this not, remember this, is this not the king of the land? Isn't it unusual that sinners recognized the anointing before the people of God recognized it? Isn't it unusual that they could sense the moving of God on David's life? Well, how did they know that he was king of the land? Did they know about Samuel? Did they know about the anointing? Did they know about all of the battle? Did they understand his family lineage? Did they see the prophecies? How did they know? No, none of that. No, we heard them singing. See, we don't need all of that down here. We're, we're your friends in low places. We just want to know what your song is at the midnight hour. You see, you're trying to give everybody your resume of your degree, your, your reputation, your friendships, your prosperity. But I'll tell you what the devil's listening for. He's listening for the song that comes out. Because he doesn't have to know who you coronated. He doesn't want to know who's wearing the crown. He, wanna know, he wants to know who the children are singing about. Saul has slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. We know he's king. Now, Saul doesn't know he's king. And the land doesn't know he's king. But the devil knows he's king. Let me tell you something. I don't care 
if the people of God or the family of God or the neighborhood or the HOA or the FBI or the IRA, I don't care if they know who I am. I tell you who does know who I am, the devil. Hell knows what God has done in my life. And I don't have time to fight with you because I'm still in a tussle with the devil. The devil already has my rep. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. And so they already knew who David was. They knew what he was about. And they said, listen, he's dangerous. And then the Bible gives us an incredible moment of, of clarity. David started pretending like he was crazy. You know how crazy folks are, right? You don't really want to kill them. You don't want to be near them. Get them away from me because you don't want demons getting out of them into your stuff, right? Hey, best we just go right over here. I remember one time I was preaching in a church and a demon manifest. I mean manifest right there while I'm preaching. And at that moment, it was obvious who was the pastor of the church because everybody else cleared out. All by myself. But anyway. anyway, I'll tell you that story on another day. But I, I, I think they were superstitious. They were dealing with this fear, this, this idea of the, the chaos and clutter, the, the, the demonic aspect of this crazy personality. And so he started acting crazy to protect his life. Started rolling around on the floor, waving his hands, spitting while he was preaching, speaking in tongues, running the aisles. Sometimes there's safety when everybody thinks you're crazy. Soak in that for a minute, especially those of you who have no good reason to be in a Pentecostal church. You weren't raised this way. You come from very intelligent backgrounds, all three of you. You have to, you have to politely say where you're from. Well, I go to that church. It's downtown Buford, beautiful church. What's the name of it? Well, it's a church. Come on, some of you sneaking around here. I know. Come. You're not telling everybody about your new friends. That's good. All I'm telling you is there's some safety in crazy. People will leave you alone when they know you go to this church. I know this for a fact. People have come to me. Oh, you're a pastor. That's great. You have their family. It's beautiful. Thank you. Wonderful personality. Wonderful fellowship we're having. Where do you pastor? Buford Church of God. Oh. <laughs> There's too many Pentecostal churches trying to make their church look smart. Trying to look cool. 
Well, I, I mean, I look pretty cool. I mean, they try and dress it up. What we need, pastors, we need to make sure that we have a more progressive image. We need to project the, the best intellect that we can possibly project. We, we need to shellac our church in these wonderful programs and this advertisement so that everybody in town is talking about what we have advertised. They're not talking about that. They're not talking about that. When I meet people, met them when we first moved in the neighborhood. This very affluent individual comes up to me, says, oh, you pastor a church. Where do you pastor? Beaufort Church of God. Oh. You guys still speak in tongues? That's not the worst thing we do. <laughs> the Bible says that he chose through the foolishness of preaching to save them that are lost. And the problem with a lot, of, a lot of modern preachers is they're just tired of looking foolish. So nobody's being saved. Let me clear the air for you. Let everybody know what we're all about. No matter what we say, what clothes we wear, how nice of a car we drive, how beautiful our house is, this is the resume of the Buford Church of God. We believe in angels. We believe in casting out devils. We actually keep oil on the pulpit because we believe in laying hands on the sick and they can recover. We believe that God can save you and your whole house. We believe that you could come in stone cold drunk and leave this house sober and filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. We believe that God still walks on water and he still moves mountains. We still believe that God can multiply the fish and the bread. We still believe that he raises the dead and can make the lame walk and the blind eyes can see. We still believe that God's going to send us out into the four corners of the earth because God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. We believe in every gift of the spirit. We believe in faith. We believe in miracles. We believe in wisdom. We believe in words of knowledge. We believe in tongues and interpretation. There's not one part of this book that's left off of the power of God evident in our lives. We're, we, you may think it's crazy, but we've learned there's safety and crazy. I'd rather have Jesus because Jesus can save my life. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. I can feel your pain. I know there's somebody here going, I know it, I know it. I've been here. They're nice. I, know. <laughs> I was hanging out with a Catholic priest the other day. He's actually in seminary studying for the ministry. And I started talking to him about the priesthood. And uh, I told him I was at a Pentecostal church. And I said, you know, you and I have a lot of kindred theology. Catholics and Pentecostals are the last people that still believe in casting out devils. They still believe in laying hands on the sick, seeing them recover. He said, he said you're right, we believe in that. And I started naming the things that, that correspond with the manifestation of the Spirit. I said, as a matter of fact, you have a lot of churches where the nuns and the priests speak in tongues. He says, you're absolutely right. I said, there's just not enough of us left for us to be against one another. 
And we started talking about that, and I said, you know, one thing I admire about you being called into the ministry is the sacrifice that you're willing to make and the covenant that you make with friendship. And I made a statement. I can't remember what it was. He got really quiet. He says, I sense the Spirit of God on you. You actually know Him. Here's the thing, church. There's two kind of church friends that, that the world's looking for. Those that will flatter them while they're in sin and those that will pray for them when their babies are about to die. I want to be the church where they come home to when trouble strikes. I'm not worried about whether the palace invites me in for dinner. I'm not worried about the king's resume. I'm not worried about the accolades and whether or not everybody's singing my song. What I want to be is the cave of Agilom that when they're looking for the presence of God, even if they have to go out into the middle of a desert, they'd rather have Jesus than spend one more day in the backslidden house of Saul. Somebody help me glorify God. So here's the thing. Pastor, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to act as a Pentecostal. Well, it's in the Word of God. And it all started with David. Just act crazy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm being a little bombastic on that part. Some of y'all don't need any more permission to act more crazy than what you already act. But I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather be numbered with God and His power than allow myself to become intimidated by the culture of this world. I have a doctoral degree. I've graduated from seminaries. I've spoken at the state capitol. Tomorrow night, I will be the chaplain of the city of Buford. I will stand in front of this whole city and ask God to bless the proceedings. I engage myself intellectually. I'm not intimidated by your resume or what it is you bring to the church. But what I am telling you is I count all of those things as rubbish in the words of Paul that I might gain Christ. In this church, we'd rather have Jesus. In this church, we'd rather have power with God. And so he leaves from there and goes to the cave of Adullam. And while he's in that cave, a miracle happens. The Bible says his brothers and his father's household heard about him and they went to where he was and joined him in the cave and I thought to myself what a wonderful turn of events you see he was the son that was left out in the field in the cave and not invited into the house he was the one confronted by his older brother who ridiculed him and confronted him when he was going to fight Goliath he was the one who had to oppose his family just to get where God called him to be. But when the time came for the king of Israel to exercise his vengeance, the family no longer invited David into the house. They said, don't worry about it. We'll come down to where you are. Too many times you're worried about the wrong chapter in your life. You're so angry that you were left out in the field that you can't have reconciliation with the brothers and sisters in your life. Not knowing that it was God who left you out in the field. So that when you lived in the cave, it wouldn't be an unusual place for you. You would turn the cave into a sanctuary. Your first throne would be a rock created by your God. God was preparing you. 
He left you in the fields long enough for you to write that wonderful song. For the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. And before he could finish his sentence, he heard the word, David! David! Samuel wants you. And when he walked in the door, the prophet poured oil over the top of his head. And the anointing went to the cave of Adullam. And 400 people gathered together to go to the cave and be with the king. And the Bible says that they gathered together all of the, I love the resume, distressed, in debt, discontented. Buford Church of God. Talk to me, church. I mean, how many friends you actually have? <laughs> Distressed or in debt or discontented? Not all three at the same time. If you have all three. Well, never mind. I'm looking around. Some of you really got a buffet experience on this D-list <laughs> that we've received here. Distressed, debt, discontented, came to the cave. You know, truthfully, it's hard to minister to people who are church shopping. We're looking for that church that will fit the needs of our family. I really don't want it too loud or too soft. I like the air conditioner to be very specific, tailored for my particular anemia. I don't like a pastor who yells a lot, which we don't do that a lot here. <laughs> I, I, I really like to have the songs a little more contemporary. I, I don't want to be too out there, though. Maybe bring the lead guitar down, acoustic up, just right is the way we're looking at it. And, and something more palatable for my children. You know, I want to make sure that it's a safe. We're going to shop around, take a few weeks to really try and cruise the market to find out what's going on. And then when you do get right with God, you negotiate it. Now, God, do I have to go to church every Sunday? Do I have to read my Bible like every day? Um, and, and this whole tithing business, is that like on the gross or the net or like what's left over after everything else? And, and, and drinking because, uh, you know, I, I'm a golfer. I looked into the lights entirely too long. I can't see anybody anymore. But they negotiate. 
They're the blessed, the beautiful, the bodacious. <laughs> you know, they, they come to the house of God. They have this, this resume that they present to the Lord. Surely this church is going to be a great place for me. But I'll tell you who God's looking for. God's looking for somebody that, that this church is a whole lot better than the hell they've been living in. They, they, they've tried all of that. Maybe they have money. Maybe they have friends. But they know what it is to go through hard times. They've been broken in their heart. They've been broken in their spirit. And while the songs are being played, there's, there's a music that comes into their soul. And for one minute, they're released from the bondage of this world. They'd rather have Jesus than the riches of this world. They'd rather have the power of God. It may not be prestigious. It may not have all the glitter. It may not have all you're looking for. Maybe it's just a cave of Agilom. But the anointing is in the cave and we don't follow people we don't follow prosperity we don't follow what they say we follow the power of God and if the anointing is in the desert then I'm in the desert if the anointing is on a mountain then I'm in a mountain if the anointing is in the palace then I'm in the palace but I will follow God I'm not going to move without him I'm not going to go anywhere without him I'm going to the cave I'm going to the cave Praise God, praise God, praise God. I mean, that's why, I mean, truthfully, I love Buford Church of God. That, this church is the most eclectic hodgepodge of misfit toys I've ever seen in my life. There's no reason for all you folks from all over the world to be sitting in the same church, raised in different cultures all over this world. You've got a BMW parked beside a Mack truck, parked beside a car held together with clothes hangers. Why? Because we came to the cave, not because we're trying to impress anybody. We came to the cave because the anointing is here, the power of God is here, and we'd rather have Jesus than what's out there on the outside. God is on our side in this place. I love this house. I love the Buford Church of God. Proud to be from here, proud to be part of here. You know, one of the things that intrigues me about the Bible is that not only does God give you the story, He gives you the psychology behind the story. The history in this book should intrigue you even on an intellectual level. There's no reason to be condescending to the Bible. You have the diary of a king. Here's the cool thing. Think about this. Get the picture in your mind. David has just finished acting crazy. His life is spared. He makes it to the cave in a desert. He's looking out the sun as it sets over the horizon. Gathering around him is his father. His father's house and all of his brothers. 400 people, malcontents of Israel. They're all standing there in the desert. And David, at that exact moment, writes a song. He just starts singing. You want to hear it? I'm not going to try and sing it. It's in Hebrew. But this is David's psalm. This is how it starts. A psalm of David, 
when he pretended to be crazy before the king who drove him away and he departed. That's how it starts. This is great. He's not only going to tell you that he did it, he's going to tell you what he was thinking while he did it. 400 people in a cave. This is what David was thinking. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. And the humble, meaning all those 400 malcontents, the humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, come, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivered me from all of my fears. They looked to him. They meaning the crowd in the cave. They looked to him and were afraid. And their faces were not ashamed. Then this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angels of the Lord encamp round about all those that love and fear him. And he delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Fear the Lord and fear no other for God is on our side and we will lack no good thing. God will provide. God will provide. While they're having to run from the king trying to Get away from Saul, sandwiched between Saul and the Philistines in a cave between two opposing enemies. He's in a cave starting a church. What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about the kingdom? No, sir. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be where? In my mouth. Come on, church. Let's join David in the cave right now. Let the praise of God be in your mouth. Let the high praise of God be in your mouth. And a two-edged sword in your I didn't come to watch somebody else praise him. I came to praise him for myself. I may be lost out here in the desert. I may not have my act together. I may be distressed. I may be in debt. I may be discontented. But thanks be unto God, there's an anointing in the cave. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. Oh, come, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Hallelujah. 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 I mean, what kind of king starts a church in a cave? Now, now, give me give me five more minutes. I know y'all ready for me to turn y'all loose. Bunch of crazy people rolling around. <laughs> I want to focus on one phrase before we get out of here. He said, I will bless the Lord. I want you to say that with me. Bless the Lord. That is an unusual phrase. It's not used often in the Bible. As a matter of fact, I can't find but five other, maybe six other references to that phrase. And it's not quite as specific as David's making it right here. That phrase, bless the Lord. Most people, when they pray, they don't bless the Lord. They complain. They didn't come to be a blessing. They came to get blessed. 
I want God to heal me. I want God to fix this. I want God to put this together. I need the Lord to answer my prayers. I want God to do something for me. I need this. I need some money. I need my family. I need a boyfriend. I need a girlfriend. I need a new car. I need this. I need the bank to give me the loan. I, I, I need some of this. Lord, hear my cry. I want you to do something for me. That's how most people pray. David was a man after God's own heart. David was used in the refrain by the blind man when he said to him, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. David has a royal covenant with God, not because he earned it the old-fashioned way of religion. No, he earned it because he chose to love God first, to bless God first, to let his words go to God first. This, let me read this to you. I want you to download when you go to your homes, Google eSword. I want eSword on all of your computers and Bibles, uh, your, your apps on your phone. You can get the eSword. You can do word searches. It's got all of the old-fashioned commentaries, all the cool stuff. You can download hundreds and hundreds of books. But I, I went and did a word search on bless the Lord. And, and I want to read to you all of the times David said bless the Lord. Psalm 16, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. Psalm 26, my foot stands in an even place in the congregation. I will bless the Lord. Psalm 34 that we just read, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalm 103, a psalm of David, bless the Lord O oh, my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O oh, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of the word. Bless the Lord, all you host in the church, you who minister before the altar. Bless the Lord, all of creation, glorify and magnify his name. Psalm 104, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh Lord my God, you are great, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. Psalm 104, may sinners be consumed and the wicked no more, but bless the Lord, oh my soul, again I say, Praise the Lord. Psalm 115. But we bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Psalm 134. Bless the Lord all you servants of the kingdom. And again I say to you, bless the Lord. He wants you to bless the Lord. He's blessing the Lord himself. Now I want to... There's 15 more things that I want to say. <laughs> David did something incredibly unusual in this diatribe of blessing the Lord. He started bossing everybody around. Bless the Lord, all you priests who minister before the altar. Bless the Lord, all of those who attend the sanctuary. Glorify his name. Come, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. But he didn't stop there. He also said, bless the Lord, all you angels of heaven. All you angels who encamp round about those that love and fear him. I don't want to praise God without you, so strike up the heavenly man. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then he said, bless the Lord all the earth. 
Before I talk about that all the earth, we do believe in angels. And we believe they're around us right now. And we believe they're blessing the Lord. Is this news to you? Marty was talking with someone just this week. We bought this house. We're cleaning it up. And the code enforcer of Buford drove up into the driveway and talked to Marty. And she said to him, we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you bought this house. This is going to be beautiful. We're excited for the church and the neighborhood. We're, we're so thankful that you're partnering with our community. You know, I was raised in Pentecostal church. I've had an experience with God. And she started unfolding the story. She said, you know, my first job as a code enforcer for the city of Buford, I had to go to a house and... When I pulled up into the yard, an older lady came out of this home. And she walked up to me and she says, I need your help. There's an encroachment on the property of vegetation that's crowding my land. And I want you to help me enforce the code that we can get this removed. And she said, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of the paperwork for you. We'll, we'll do that. And by the way, young lady... Have you ever been saved? Have you committed your life to Jesus Christ? Yes, ma'am, I have. I, I have committed my life to Christ. Have you been water baptized? Yes, ma'am, I've been water baptized. Have you been filled with His Spirit? Yes, ma'am, I've been filled with His Spirit. Have you ever had somebody lay their hands over you and speak in tongues over your life? No, ma'am, I have not. She had to set her little coat and force her clipboard down as that old lady put her hands on her and started to speak in tongues over her life. And while she was there trying to perform her duties for the city, she could feel the manifest power of God as tears streaming down her cheeks and she experienced the glory of God. Two days later, she goes back to tell her that the paperwork's done, taken care of, and everything's going to be all right. Did some research on the house. It was abandoned. Went back to the neighborhood. That house hadn't been lived in in years. Angels. The Bible says, no, you're not. Or, or don't you realize that sometimes you'll entertain angels unaware? So, uh, angels, since you're here, I'm going to put on a little authority from the Scriptures. I don't want to get sideways with heaven. feels a little unusual. But since you're in the house, help us praise him. Bless the Lord, all you heavenly hosts, and magnify his name. Matter of fact, I want all of the land around the church to bless the Lord. I want the wind to blow to the glory of God. I want the birds to sing to the glory of God. Let the ocean tide roll on and on and on as we all lift up our hands and magnify God and bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is in me, I bless his holy name. Come, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my portion, my tower in the time of trouble. He's the God of the mountain. He's the God of the valley. He's the God of the good times. He's the God of the bad times. God has watched over me. He's healed my body. He's touched my mind. He's saved my soul. God has done this for me. Hallelujah.
I want you to stand with me all over the house. And I want to challenge you if you haven't spoken your praise yet. Especially if you're a preacher or a teacher. Don't watch me do this. You're about to have to dive in. This is a participation sport. We all are going to bless the Lord. Now, Pastor, how do you bless a God who's got everything? You know, I don't know. I have no idea. I was talking to God this week, and, and I was asking him, Lord, how do I bless you? What, what am I supposed to do? And, and I asked the Lord to help me. I said, Lord, anoint me. Let the Holy Spirit anoint me to bless you just right. And this is what started coming out of my mouth. I started seeing myself at the foot of the cross. That's what I saw. In my mind, I was standing at the cross, and I could see him on the cross. And, and I, could, I could feel the, the wound, the, the, the bleeding, the dying, the cursing, the, the ridicule, the, the city erupting with all of this, this blasphemy all around me. And I just stood in my, the theater of my mind. I just lifted my hands and I said, I, I give you a crown of glory rather than a crown of thorns. I bless you with somebody who will, who will love you right back rather than put nails in your hands. I, I bless you with somebody who cares enough to read your word. I bless you with a congregation that lifts their voice. I bless you with all of my heart, with all of my soul and all of my strength. Because if 2,000 years ago he lifted his hands for me, it's the least we can do right now is lift our hands for him. All over this congregation, I, didn't, I, didn't wanna, I don't want Jesus to be the only one lifting his hands. If 2,000 years ago he could speak up for me, the least I can do is speak up for him right now. Somebody shout his name in this house. Heavenly Father, we glorify you. Come on, church, bless the Lord right now. I bless you with love. I bless you with strength. You know, every, every week I've been closing the service with blessing your life. God's been using me to bless you. you know, every week I, I bless you. But we bless you. We give you beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. May you be blessed in the city and blessed in the field, blessed when you rise and when you take your rest on the Sabbath of your life. May you be crowned with glory and crowned with strength and crowned with honor. Let the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm on your face and the rains fall softly on your fields. And until we see each other again, I covenant to hold you in the hollow of my hand. I bless Jesus. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I will magnify the Lord. For I have tasted of the Lord and he is good. So whether I'm in the palace of the king singing the songs on a well-appointed harp. Or I've got to be the crazy man in the palace of the wicked king of the Philistines. My God goes with me. If I ascend to the mountains, he is there. If I make my bed in hell, he's there. 
If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there he will find me and bring me out. God is on my side. How could you not bless a God like that? Now I'm going to pray a blessing over your life. And then I'm going to dismiss the service. And then I want as many of you that will to come to the altar and let my wife and I pray for you. If you have a specific need or you just want to be prayed for. We, we have people who come for very specific needs and then we have others if I ask them, what are you praying for? I don't know. Just give it to me. <laughs> and so when I dismiss this service, when you leave, do so as quietly as you can. Now, when I dismiss, we're all inclined to clap. So we'll do that. We'll close with a hand clap of praise as we leave the sanctuary. And then as you go, if you'll refrain from conversation as best you can. I know this is really hard for some of you. My first church, we had some older ladies that sat in the back. And I mean, they were, they were funny. They were three of the older ladies in the church. And they'd sit back there and they'd laugh and giggle. And I was up there preaching. I said, ladies, hey, listen to me. Y'all got to pay attention. Now sit up straight. We need some soup. <laughs> I was joking around, but it didn't go over very well. It went about as good as it's going right now, actually. <laughs> but I bless your life. You've been good to me today as a pastor. You've listened. You've laughed at my jokes. You've helped me preach a sermon. And I bless you right back. I pray that God's presence on your life is so strong today. That you know he's with you. And that everything's going to be all right. I pray that you be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Blessed when you rise and when you lay down at night. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. and Give you peace. Beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm on your face and the rains fall softly on your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed Pastor Joey's word today. To find out more about our ministry, visit bcog.me. Our services are live streamed weekly on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, you can talk to one of our pastors anytime via bcog.me messenger. See you again in the next podcast episode.